1: Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News, episode 302. On Now You Know. We're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. Help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks. You should check them out. All right. Elon tweeted out, congratulations to Giga Berlin team on making over 1,000 cars in a week. Congratulations, Giga Berlin team. Um, this is really exciting news because for those of you who haven't been paying attention, uh, we have two new Giga factories in the world. See, I did the German too. Giga Berlin and Giga Texas. Yeah. I know, a thousand Model Ys a week. So last fall, Elon said that Tesla was aiming to have Tesla insurance available in most states by the end of 2022. Well, now we can add another state to the list. Yeah, Tesla insurance is now live in nine states. Tesla insurance has now gone live in Nevada. I'm looking at the list here Mm -hmm. and I don't see California, but I know that Tesla offers insurance in California. Tesla does offer insurance in California, but not with premiums based on real-time driving data what's that one again okay so you see in eight states now if you sign up for tesla insurance every time you drive your tesla your car scores you based on a bunch of things like acceleration and follow distance and forward collision warnings how safely you drive then determines next month's auto insurance premium And basically, California doesn't allow for this yet. Right. And so Tesla just has to kind of set a premium kind of like every insurance company does there. But in these other states, they can actually keep adjusting it so that good drivers actually save money. Okay, this is good news. I mean, Tesla insurance is available in nine states, and we hear that Tesla has filed for permits in Florida, New Jersey and Maryland, but Nevada doesn't doesn't have that many Teslas, does it? Well, not really. I mean, even though EV sales have gone up 133% in Nevada in the past two years, there still were only 17,162 EVs registered last year. But look, the rate that we're seeing Tesla insurance open in new states is going well. And I think this is another one of those areas that financial analysts miss when valuing the company. Yeah, fast forward a few years when Tesla has the highest auto insurance margins and some of the lowest premiums in a majority of states. And it's gonna become a bigger and bigger part of Tesla's revenue stream. So now Tesla has added superchargers in Denmark, Finland, Germany, Luxembourg, and Switzerland to the list of countries with superchargers available to non-Tesla EVs in Europe. This is part of Tesla's pilot program of what Tesla is now claiming is the largest public 150 kilowatt plus fast charging network in Europe. So here's a list of the countries in Europe where you can plug non-Tesla EVs into. But I want to make it clear, it's not every supercharger in these 13 countries that's available to non-Tesla EVs, just some of them. Although all the superchargers in the Netherlands are now available to non-Teslas. Okay, it's a little confusing. Um, But is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because our friend Marcus is a bit concerned, pointing out that the cables are too short for many non-Tesla vehicles, so they have to park like in the wrong spot. Um, In effect, taking up two charger stalls in order to plug in. And this is something I didn't really realize because we don't drive non-Teslas that often. And like in the Rivian, this wouldn't be a problem because you can pull straight in. Mm. But these charging cables are short. And if it doesn't reach your car, then you have to do some generic gymnastics to get your car in the right spot. And Marcus is completely right. It uh, kind of halves the number of spots available on top of which cars that don't charge that fast mean they have to sit there longer. Right. And presumably this is why Tesla is doing their pilot program to see what kind of a problem this could end up being. I hope that Tesla has some way of seeing that some chargers are blocked because their own data that they could get from the charger wouldn't tell them this. Right. It would just say like the charger is full except for one spot. That's great. And it's like That's because you have a car parked in the wrong spot. And Tesla is expected to open their North American supercharger network up to non-Tesla EVs as well, which will be more complicated since they will have to retrofit the stalls with the new CCS cables. And this isn't too out of the ordinary for people who have been paying attention. Tesla did the exact same thing in Europe, except with type 2 CCS cables, people... Care that there's a difference between the two. But basically, they just had two cables running out of each supercharger, right. and then you could plug either the Model 3, which had the newer uh, CCS plug, or your old Tesla Model S's into the same supercharger. Yeah, we have a Patreon poll coming up asking whether you think this is a good idea or a bad idea. Hey, and if you'd like to help us out, could you please hit the like button? It really makes a difference. So, it's been a while, been a while. since we've reported on a Tesla price increase. Yeah, the last time was back in April, but now Tesla's raised prices again across their entire lineup. You're kidding me. So let's start with the Model 3. The performance model stayed unchanged, but the long range version went from 54,490 to 57,990, an increase of $2,500. The Model Y long range went from 26,990 to 25,990, up $3,000. The Model Y performance went from 67,990 to 69,990, up $2,000. The Model S Plaid stayed the same, but the Model S Dual Motor all-wheel drive long range went from $99,990 to uh, $104,990. is $5,000 increase. And not to be outdone, the Model X Dual Motor all-wheel drive long range went from $114,990 to $120,990, up $6,000. And the Plaid Model X stayed the same at $138,990. So estimated delivery dates are long. I mean, the Model 3, you can get, you know, September through December, but the Model Y, for instance, is about a year out. So I think Tesla is anticipating rising supply costs as they have no way of knowing exactly what the cost will be for many parts and materials that far out. But this does show that demand is super high. Look, I want to see as many people as possible driving EVs, and I hate to see these prices go up, but it is supply and demand. Yeah, hopefully as the two latest gigafactories start to ramp up, it'll bring down costs. But honestly, unless oil prices come down sharply, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, gas prices have been taking a toll, I think, on people's budgets. I think it takes a few weeks for people to realize like, oh my gosh, I went to the pump and I spent over a hundred dollars or $80. I've never spent that much in my whole life to, to uh, fuel up my car. And now people are really starting to do the math and going like, well, I want to get an EV. Except the problem is everyone's, everyone's saying, saying that all at the same, same time. time. And so while the supply remains the same, if demand goes up, Answer on your phones now, I think you know what happens. So Zootobi just released a report where they took data from four different car owner rating reports, Parker's, Honest John, Auto Trader, and Edmunds, and calculated which auto brand has the highest customer satisfaction. Tesla scored the highest with an average rating of 4.53 out of five. Land Rover came in second, then Mazda, Peugeot, and BMW. In terms of the models, Model 3 was first followed by the Volvo XC40, the Ford Puma and the BMW 3 Series in the 10 spot. So again, nothing surprising here, but I think a lot of people have forgotten that Tesla does continue to make customers happy. We talk a lot on the show about things that are like the minutia of like service, like there's a story coming up about that. And so you might get the impression that like, oh, it's just terrible. People aren't liking their Teslas. But on average, Mm. you can see here that most people love them. So more on the story that just won't seem to go away. NHTSA's latest driver assist crash report titled Safety Performance of Advanced Vehicle Technologies has just come out. So what's in this report? So basically NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, last June told more than 100 automakers and automated vehicle tech companies to submit all crashes involving vehicles with driver assist features to NHTSA. NHTSA then compiled the data of almost 400 crashes between July of 2021 and May 15th of this year. Tesla, of course, had the highest number of crashes, 273, because Tesla had the highest number of cars with driver assist features on the road, about 830,000 Teslas. So here's the chart of crashes with a level two system. As you can see, Tesla has the most followed by Honda with 90, which, by the way, had six million cars on the road. Now, six people were killed and five people were seriously injured. NHTSA also released this chart showing the number of reported crashes with level three through level five systems. Now, Tesla's FSD beta system must be considered level three because there is one Tesla crash reported here. I think it's the one we've seen where the driver hit a cone. Uh, Remember that one on YouTube? As you can see, Waymo has the most crashes in a level three through five system with 52 crashes. And we get this map here of level three through five crashes by state. Obviously, Waymo's in California, so that is the most crashy state. So, what are we talking about here? Because so far, we've gotten some numbers. Uh, They don't put them into a percentage. No, they They just. This is the problem. The news has grabbed this, and as you can see by these headlines here, uh, they've created these misleading headlines because yes, I guess the numbers say that Tesla has the most crashes, so they just lead with these headlines. But what really burns my boat is that politicians, many of whom apparently don't know anything about this and obviously have someone pulling their strings, decide to chime in like our old pal, Senator Ed Markey from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Don't know much about chemistry. Don't know much toxicology. Don't know what's ammonium nitrate. Except it's easy to detonate, but I do know that IST was used to increase our security. What a much safer world this could be. Don't know much about gas he said there has been a never-ending parade of reports of Teslas on automated systems rolling through stop signs or braking for no reason and crashing into parked emergency vehicles. As today's data suggests, this contempt for auto safety laws has real-world consequences, and he's urging NHTSA to take enforcement action. Please, somebody tell me why Senator Ed Markey has nothing better to focus his attention on than outdated information about Tesla's not being safe. Senator Markey, do your homework. These are the safest cars on the road, not only when they get into an accident, but also in avoiding accidents. And this is where this report is really misleading. There's a lot of context and it's useful to have data. But if you're going to ignore a whole bunch of other data, which is all the other cars on the road that don't have safety systems, and you're only going to look at the ones that have some form of driver assist system of which there are many different types. And Tesla has maybe one of the most useful ones. So maybe it's going to be used the most often, which means that when you have 800,000 cars on the road, maybe they're going to get into a few fender benders with that system activated just because people like to have it on. And this is why I hate this whole union debate that we're having. I think that Senator Markey and many others are influenced by unions which hate Tesla. And so they look for any reason they can, including this data which doesn't mean anything. And in fact, Eva Fox tweeted out a pretty important tweet. She said Tesla cars using driver assist systems are significantly less likely to crash than Waymo, TransDev, or GM's crews, according to NHTSA's data. Although the regulator's data only shows the number of accidents, such a conclusion is obvious with a little digging. And I want to put up this chart here from I Cannot Enough, and it shows you that, of course, Teslas are the safest vehicles. And Elon tweeted out, correct yeah and, and this to me is you know it's one of those things where it takes a little bit of thinking takes a little bit of digging something that the mainstream media is not very good at doing also, politicians aren't and good at it they aren't good at doing that either because what do they want to get you to do they want you to go hi, hey! oh my gosh We better do something about this because then you feel like, ah, something was done. I feel so good that we got those bad guys who were doing the bad stuff. Look, the report's fine. It's great to have this data, But to not put it into any form of context and to just basically take the graph that looks the worst for Tesla is really suspicious to me. Um, You could be saying, Jesse, you're an idiot. It's because Teslas are the least safe. No, (laughs) you can do the math. It's not true because you're ignoring all of the cars that don't have safety systems and we're talking about millions of accidents a year. Sony, Honda, Sonda, Hony, Sony, Honda, Sony, Honda. What are you doing? I'm trying to figure out if Sony Honda is the best brand name or if the two words should be like combined, like Sonda. The companies Sony and Honda? Why are you trying to find the best brand name? What are you talking about? These are two different companies. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Sony and Honda just signed a joint venture deal to establish a company called Sony Honda Mobility Incorporated this year. In a press release, Honda said the new company will aim to bring together Honda's cutting edge environmental and safety technologies, mobility development capabilities, vehicle body manufacturing technology, and after... After sales service management experience with Sony's expertise in the development and application of imaging, sensing, telecommunications, network, and entertainment technologies to realize a new generation of mobility and services for mobility that are closely aligned with users and the environment and continue to evolve going forward. So let me get this straight and try and read between the lines. Uh, Honda. Finally sees the writing on the wall. EVs are a thing. Decides that they need to start making EVs, but thinks we don't know much about the software and technology part of this whole EV thing. So we'll pair up with Sony and give them top billing, apparently. I mean, Sony has been showing off their Vision S EV concept at the last three CES shows. I don't think it was drivable. I think it was just a plastic model. Um, and last February, Sony's CFO said we will not start making batteries or vehicles ourselves. And they started looking for partners. So I guess Honda finally took the bait. And let's just keep in mind that Honda has been so slow to adopt EVs. Last I heard, their new CEO, Toshihiro Mibe, said that Honda will make all new models electric by 2030, but only in China. Their first mass market EV, the Prologue EV, won't come to the U.S. till 2024 and will basically be built on GM's Altium platform by GM. So it's basically a GM vehicle. All right, and what does the Prologue look like again? Oh yeah, I got a picture of it right here. Um, what do you, know? Is it invisible? Yeah, maybe. It's cloaking technology <laughs> from Sony. Well, no, it's not from Sony. That's from Honda. Right, right. Okay, so this Sony-Honda partnership, a lot of people are excited about it because they're going to think I'm going to get a PlayStation in my EV. Sure. And I am, first of all, all for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Ever since I saw that on Pimp My Ride, I was like, that has got to be a thing. Now I have a car that kind of does that. But anyway, this is kind of proof positive what we've been talking about, that the big automakers are gonna go under. And what did we say would happen first? They would first start partnering or merging. This is what Honda is doing, right? They're a huge auto manufacturer. Why are they merging with Sony? Because they have no clue how to make an EV is my opinion. So they've been partnering with GM. Now they're gonna partner with Sony. They're pushing this off years. And I think by the time we see anything, it might be too late. (laughs) and partnering with Sony sounds really, really good. Yeah. Sony, it- Honda, yay! It's like it's like a soft serve ice cream with the vanilla and the chocolate. But wow, what, what does Sony really bring to the table? I mean, they don't know much about autonomous EVs. They know about cameras, they know about PlayStations, but like, why does that fit well into making EVs? Wow! Uh, I think it's software. Because if you go along with this line of thinking, you might think, okay, well, you know, Honda makes great cars. Um, They'd never made an EV, but who cares? Um, And Sony has got software engineers who made like the PlayStation. I see how this could work if you didn't look too deeply into it and you just use words like software and technology. But like these don't work in real software and technology. Okay, Yeah. Good luck. Sonda. Good luck, Sonda. Speaking of companies that may need to merge to make it, let's talk about Lucid and Rivian. In a recent interview with Tesla owner Silicon Valley, Elon Musk said this.
2: Unless something changes significantly with Rivian and Lucid, they will both go bankrupt. They're tracking to bankruptcy. They may not um, say like, that is currently, like if this were an airplane, they're like, they're going like that. So if something happens to go change, <laughs> OK, but currently the intersection with doom.
1: Intersection with doom. That is the name of my new band. Intersection, intersection with doom. doom. You mean, he said that unless they cut their costs dramatically, they are in deep trouble. And yeah, I mean, look, Elon knows this stuff firsthand. OK, we're going to be talking a lot more about other quotes from this uh, important interview on Patreon bonus story. So check that out. But basically he's saying something he's learned the hard way. If you can't get your costs down immediately and start making money on the cars that you sell, you've just backed yourself into the corner of doom. I think that's a great way to put it for both Lucid and Rivian. They both have great first cars, but they're very expensive. They're not making any money on those cars and you can only sell those to a very small number of people. Right. But hey, let us know what you think in the comments down below. So you remember Starbase? Oh yeah, haven't heard too much news coming out of there recently though. Yeah, well, that's because SpaceX hasn't been able to launch anything until the FAA finished their impact report, which has taken over 12 months to complete. Oh, no. I remember there were all sorts of delays. Uh, they must have found something really bad. So the FAA has issued a mitigated finding of no significant impact for Boca Chica Starbase. Oh, that sounds bad. Wait, no, that sounds good. Yeah, so the FAA has basically found that Starbase has little to no impact on the local environment, um, but they do have to do a couple things. Okay. Quarterly beach and highway cleanups. Great. Uh, Construct at least one highway wildlife crossing. Nice. Great. Construct a wildlife viewing platform along Highway 4. Nice. Complete and maintain traffic control fencing, demarcating the boundaries of the TPWD land along said public highway. Okay. $5,000 a year to enhance the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Fishing Tackle Loaner Program. Oh, so if you're a Texas fisherman, you get some free loaner <laughs> gear to go fishing? I- I guess so. Okay. They also have to prepare a history report on any events and activities of the Mexican War and Civil War that took place in all affected areas of historical importance. I'm sorry. I think you're reading from the wrong. They they don't. Have to? Why would they have to do a? They have, history have to fund report? the development of five signs explaining the history and significance of those areas, yeah. and then they have to replicate and install the missing stars and wreaths on the Palmetto Piling's historical marker. Hang, hang on, I think the last few things you must have read off the wrong article because those have to do with history, not wildlife. Why? What? What is it? What do you mean? It's an environmental impact report. Why do they have to write a book report? I mean, is this like, what can we make them do? Oh, I know. They'll have to write a history report. That'll slow them down. In conclusion, as you can see, the Battle of Palmito Ranch is considered by some as the final battle of the conclusion of the American Civil War. Good job, (laughs) Jesse. So, first of all. This took 12 months, look, this report, look, this report that the that the FAA filed took 12 months to write. There were delays. I was expecting them I, to say I like, would like to thank the FAA. Thank you, FAA, for slowing down our best chance to cement our lead in space by a whole year. That was good, good on you, FAA. Oh, and Scott Manley said it pretty well. He said, so will you be adopting an ocelot, Elon? Elon said, I'm told that no ocelots have been seen in Boca Chica area for over 40 years. We have many motion activated cameras around Starbase, thousands of clips of coyotes, dogs and cats, but no ocelots. Yeah, so part of what the FAA was worried about, and rightly so, you got to worry about the wildlife, but they said ocelots was something that could be hurt by the Starbase. But if there's no evidence that ocelots have been there for the past 40 years, why would you need to track them? It's uh pretty weird that this study took 12 months with so many delays that had no like they weren't like, we need to delay because one of our uh, researchers fell and broke their leg. Like they didn't have any reason why they needed to delay this to 12 freaking months. I know. Really frustrating. Look, really if we really don't suspicious. get off this planet and it's your fault, FAA, <laughs> we're going to be mad. So Ford has issued a directive to all its dealerships to stop selling the Ford Mach-E. Oh, crap. Did they run out of? No, it's Even worse, there is a problem with all Mach-Es produced at Quachetan factory between May 27th, 2020, Mm -hmm. which is pretty much when they started, and May 24th, 2022. So what's the problem? Ford said this, in the affected vehicles, it is possible that the high voltage battery main contactors may overheat, which can result in an open contactor or a welding condition. Should the contactors weld closed while driving, a powertrain malfunction warning light will be illuminated on the next drive cycle, along with a no-start condition. If the contactors open while driving, a powertrain malfunction warning light will be illuminated. The vehicle will display stop safely now in the instrument panel cluster, and the vehicle will experience an immediate loss of motive power. The vehicle will coast to a stop, and all 12-volt systems, including power brakes and steering, will remain functional. Whoa, 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 so what's a contactor again and why would it weld? Okay, so you, if you've ever turned on a light switch and you hear that clicking sound, um, that is a small contactor, little contactor to turn on the lights. In a EV, you have probably a 400 volt battery or something really big with a lot of power that needs to go through it. And so you have a contactor, which basically makes an electrical connection. Okay, and a switch. And then can disconnect it. It's a big switch. Okay. And so Ford, when they made the Mach-E, For some reason, put in a contactor that will maybe burn out. It's either going to weld together and stay stuck, which means that you can't turn off your car. I mean, you can put it in park and you could walk away from it, but it's still going to be like powered up, ready to go. Wait, that's dangerous if you need to work on the car. Which, like, if there's a problem with the main contactor, maybe you need to do some work on. Uh, So, yeah, that's a little dangerous. Uh, But what about the other case? The other case is that the main contactor, you're driving heavily or whatever, and it heats up too much, burns out, and then... Basically, you've unplugged the battery from the motor w- while you're on the highway, while you're on the highway or driving or in a situation where you're going up a hill, I you know, whatever. And so you would lose motive power. So Ford has uh, stopped selling the Mach-E. So just to be clear, it looks like there's going to be no new sales of the Mach-E until sometime in Q3 when they get this figured out. And maybe not even any repairs until then either, because they're going to have to come up with a new contactor. Uh, they're going to have to get that part, which is mm-hmm. hard with the supply problem right now. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to bring all of these mach back to the dealerships to get them fixed. And I think a lot of the dealerships don't know how to do this. Well, so let's be clear. Most of the mach that you see driving around haven't had their contactors uh, fizzle out yet. It's good that they figure this out, right? And that it's not just something that happened to all of them well, they, at let, once. They didn't figure it out. It happened to owners. <laughs> it happened to owners um, who then had a car that stopped working. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so basically what it sounds like to me, if I were to guess, if I had to guess what happened, Ford was designing the oh, I can the tell you what happened. Um, third we can save six cents if we use this cheaper contactor. What do you think? Well, Jenkins, if you multiply that out by the number of cars that we're going to put out, we're going to save almost $3,000. Does that mean we can have the office party now? <laughs> Absolutely not, but that is a great idea. Let's put in the cheaper contactor. Who's going to be able to tell the difference? Look, it's either... A supplier problem, which Ford should be in charge of, or it's this problem. <laughs> oh, let me just do the calculations here on how many amps we've got. I mean, I think if we put in the exact right size contactor, uh, that should do the trick. It, it basically, it sounds like Ford screwed up. They put in the wrong thing. This is why you want to have experience building stuff. I think that Tesla learned the hard way on the Roadster yeah. about, um, I mean, look, at they had to recall the first, you know, 25 Roadsters because they had to re place the entire powertrain and battery pack. And they learned a lot of things like, hey, maybe oversize things. And I think that's what's happening to Ford here. And this is very reminiscent of what happened to GM with the Bolt. And this is why it's so important to not be like, well, these companies have been making cars for over a 100 years. Of course, they would know how to. No, they don't. This is like you're asking the local watch factory to make a freaking supercomputer. They're like, well, we know how to deal with gears and stuff like that. And then they're like, oh, I don't know how to make that. This is what's happening with Ford. And that's why we're not like so gung ho about these companies that clearly don't really know what they're doing. And I want to thank the Cybertruck Owners Club for sponsoring this show. You can head on over to Cybertruck Owners Club where you can find a crowdsourced reservation tracker that you can update and find your place in line to see where your Cybertruck is. You can check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. If you've been looking for an electric longboard but have been put off by $800 price tags, you're going to want to check out the N-Skate R2. Yeah, Ethan just finished testing this board, and you can check it out over on the Now Let's Review channel. The R2 makes only a few performance compromises while bringing the price to well below $400. And get this, if you use our code, now you know, you can save an extra 50 bucks. You can get this board for $329. And I just want to talk about electric longboards. They are so different, in my opinion, from just regular non-powered longboards. Regular non-powered longboards, you have to kick them off, right? You can't really go up hills. Uh, when you're going down a hill, you have to break by like putting your sneaker on the ground. These are completely different. They are powered. So, I mean, if you're looking at this footage here of Ethan just riding along, it's just, it's like, Magic. Yeah. so definitely go check that out over on our sister channel the now let's review channel so researchers at the university of california berkeley just released a study of 181 public charging stations in the san francisco bay area and let's just say the numbers weren't good Yeah, they plugged into 657 individual chargers for two minutes each to see how they worked. And this was back in February and March of this year. And here's what they found. Overall, 72.5% of the chargers were functional. The cable was too short to reach the EV inlet for 4.9% of the chargers. Causes of the 22.7% non functioning ones were unresponsive or unavailable screens, payment system failures, charge initiation failures, network failures, or broken connectors. A random evaluation of 10% of the chargers approximately eight days after the first evaluation demonstrated no overall change in functionality. Basically, if something was broken once, it was broken again. This level of functionality appears to conflict with the 95 to 98% uptime reported by the EV service providers who operate these charging stations. And by the way, uh, we were talking about CCS, fast charging stations, This did not include Tesla superchargers. (laughs) Right. So bottom line, this study shows that in the San Francisco Bay Area with CCS fast charging 27.5% of the time or about three times out of 10, no charge for you. (laughs) The study also surveyed Tesla drivers and only 4% of Tesla owners reported a major difficulty with a closed supercharger. So John Volker, a contributing editor at Car and Driver, said public charging stations reliability is a problem because they have little incentive to keep them working. It's a big land grab right now, so they're focusing on that. They're not making money yet, though they hope to soon. Now, I hear what you might be saying. That's just one study in one area. Well, hang on. A recent California Air Resources Board or CARB study showed that 9% of EV drivers have experienced a broken plug. 6% experienced an unexpected shutoff during charging. 22% arrived at a non-functioning station. 18% had payment problems and more than half. 53% had to call customer service via a cell phone. 53% had to call customer service? Now, the other day, uh, we went out uh, in our R1T and we went to more than half a dozen fast charging locations in our area, over 30 stalls. We're collecting data on charger availability and uptime. Yeah, we're not done yet. We have to survey a bunch more. But if you're interested, we'll be bringing you that data soon. So comment down below if you'd like to know what we're finding on our... Pretty scientific survey. So Daniel shared this article with us about the Citroen AMI. And for those of you not familiar with it, the AMI is this cute little EV with a six kilowatt motor. It only goes a maximum speed of 28 miles an hour. Now with petrol prices going through the roof, look at this chart. It's now over a hundred pounds to fill up an average 55 liter tank. So if you live in the UK, you may wanna listen up. You can lease this little around town EV for just 20 pounds a month with an upfront deposit of 2,369 pounds. The Ami has been out in France since 2020. There, you just need to be 14 years old in order to drive it. In the UK, you just need to be 16 or older with a moped license. So if you're interested, get in the line quick because there are already 2,000 people ahead of you and Citroën says that they should be getting theirs by August. The Ami only takes three hours to charge from a regular household socket and it has 46 miles or 74 kilometers of range. You could also just buy one for 7,695 pounds. Sales of EVs in the UK have risen 70% in the past year, now accounting for one in every six new cars sold. So Lilium, the Munich, Germany-based electric VTOL startup company just demonstrated what they said is the world's first main wing transition for an all-electric aircraft so what you're seeing here is the phoenix 2 lilium's fifth generation all electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft achieving main wing transition at the end of may this is the first time a full-size electric jet aircraft has ever made the transition from hover to wing flight. Matthias Meiner, Phoenix chief engineer and co-founder of Lilium said, main wing transition is a huge step forward on our path to launch and it validates our flight's dynamics model. Lilium's vision is to allow passengers to fly from say Manhattan to Philadelphia for about $200 in a little over an hour compared to a train or taxi, which would take about two hours. Now the train would cost a bit less, but the taxi would cost a whole lot more. Um, and just a disclaimer here, we do own stock in Lilium. But I think this is really cool and what I wanna ask you is like, how close do you think we are to actually having this up and running? Does this show us that they're like really back in the prototype early stages? Or do you think this is like, are you impressed? The thing that I like about all these EVV toll companies is that they've been working on it for a while. Um, I think that a lot of the bugs and kinks kind of get worked out. This is yet another step towards it. I think we're probably maybe a year or two away from very small oh, I heard about that one place that's trying it kind of thing. And then probably five years away from like it being a thing that people do. This is pretty cool. Yeah. So our buddy Bill shared this petition from Earth Justice that you can sign to tell Postmaster DeJoy and the U.S. Post Office Board of Governors that you want to electrify the U.S. postal fleet of vehicles. We'll put the link in the show notes below. And it only took me 20 seconds to fill out. So really doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, look, we heard from our friend Mike Tidwell of the Chesapeake Climate Action Network that it's so important that people in government hear from you. This is one of the ways to do it. A petition strengthens earth justice when they can tell the USPS that this many people signed the petition. Yeah, so go do it. And if you wanna share some of the stories that you see in this show, but you don't wanna share the whole one hour thing, we have a clips channel. So you can head over there and share all these stories in little bite-sized clips. Don't forget to subscribe. Now let's turn to Shanghai, but not Giga Shanghai. Neo the all-electric car maker headquartered in Shanghai, has been delayed a few months because of COVID. But last week, we finally got the unveiling of Neo's latest vehicle, the ES7 SUV. Now, I get the model names confused. Um, There was the ES8, the ES6, and the EC6 SUVs, then the ET7 sedan. And then I remember the ET5 smaller sedan will be coming out soon. But okay, this is the ES7. ES7. Yes. It's an SUV. Okay. What are the specs? It goes uh, 0 to 100 kilometers an hour. That's 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. So, their quickest SUV. The CLTC range, which of course is rosy, is 300 miles. That's off of the 75 kilowatt hour uh, standard range battery. Or you could opt for the much bigger 150 kilowatt hour ultra long range battery, which should get you a CLTC range, again, very rosy of 930 kilometers or 578 miles. Definitely not anywhere close to that because the CLTC is even worse than some of the other ranges that we've talked about before. This will be one of the first passenger vehicles in China that can tow a camper or trailer. And it also includes vehicle to load discharging, so you could even power a campsite. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So how about the pricing? So the standard battery is going to be $69,700. The ultra long battery will cost 78350 And the ES7 Premier Edition will cost 81600 Now, do you have to buy it with a battery? Uh no. Your customers who choose battery as a service um will start at fifty one thousand eight hundred um and then you're gonna pay some subscription model for the battery. Now I noticed it was designed for A D, so a design for autonomous driving. Can it drive autonomously? Well it has four NVIDIA Orin X computers, and I believe it can drive hands-free on certain highways, but I'm not sure that it's Ever going to be able to do fully autonomous? That's a driving? lot of computers. That's a lot of power. That's a very thirsty and beast. A lot of watts. Yes. Pre orders for the ES7 are now available on the Neo app, and deliveries in China are expected to start August 28th. No word on pre order or deliveries for Europe yet. Now, is the trailer tow hitch appealing for Chinese consumers or is it aimed at European consumers? Mm. I mean, comment below what your thoughts are. Because, I mean, in their promo marketing materials here, it's weird. They keep cutting between Chinese and European looking people. Mm. And it's like, is this a new thing in China to tow something like that? I don't know. Let, I, let us know. I don't know. I don't live in China. So L.A.-based electric boat company Arc announced last week that they have opened sales for their all electric Arc One or what they are calling the most powerful electric watercraft commercially available. Now, we just interviewed the CEO of another electric boat company called Candela in Sweden, and they lift their boats out of the water to get better efficiency. But it appears Arc does it the old fashioned way, just with more horsepower. Yeah, the 24 foot arc seats 12 people and uses a 500 horsepower. That's 372 kilowatt electric motor to get the arc one up to speeds of 40 miles an hour. That's 34 knots or 64 kilometers an hour. And the battery is massive too, three times a Model Y battery pack or 220 kilowatt hours weighing over 3000 pounds for three to five hours of runtime. Now it can recharge using DC fast charging if your marina has one to get to 80% in 40 minutes. And I know what you're gonna ask. Right. Even though if you have to ask. Yeah, how much does it cost? It's $300,000, but it's a boat. I mean, boats cost a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a very, very cool boat. Fast boat. Yeah, yeah, okay. This report just came out of Bloomberg Intelligence called Global Battery Electric Vehicles Race to the Top. In it, they claim that Volkswagen will overtake Tesla in 2024, making more battery electric vehicles. So as you can see, the Tesla in orange, Volkswagen in white. So there you have it. I guess we've been wrong all along. See you later, folks. Uh, look at this graph. Look at this graph. Quite on. conclusively proves that we don't know what we're talking about. Hang on. I actually read it and it's not worth the virtual paper it's written on, in my opinion. But if you'd like to see more of me having a heart attack, you can head on over to Patreon and join us on our Investor Club. And we'll be covering a few reasons why I think Bloomberg is wrong on this week's Investor Club bonus story. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. Henson is the Tesla of shavers. And you might be saying, why would I say
2: that? Well, it's just like Elon says. So you can sell high margin uh, parts, replacement parts, for the, for the existing fleet, mm-hmm. and and you can sell your new cars at effectively zero zero margin. Mm. It's like a, it's like a razors and blades thing. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: So you sell you sell the the razor for zero margin, yep. and you sell the blades at high margin.
1: But but I'm confused. Elon is talking about the typical store-bought razor that you either throw out after a few shaves or have to replace the expensive razor cartridge. With Henson, you buy a one-time beautifully crafted shaver that will last a lifetime and then replace the very inexpensive but high quality blades that are recyclable. Okay, I get it now. So that's why Henson is the Tesla of shavers. We need to get a Henson shaver into Elon's hands. It looks like he needs a good shave. So the next time you need to plug in your car, Call Ziggy. Do you need me to plug in your car, man? (laughs) No, no. Hey, man, do you need a charge? (laughs) Not that Ziggy, although that would be funny. This Ziggy. What's that, man? It's an autonomous charging robot that you reserve with an app. It rolls over to a parking space to hold it for you. And then when you get there, it rolls to the back of your car. You plug in and it charges you up with its onboard battery. It's made by Box Clever. That's pretty far out, man. But hang on, man, like, is it from the future? You're right, Ziggy. It is from the future. They haven't started making them yet. Personally, I don't think this is going to be economically feasible. It's only level two charging speeds, and that's a lot of cost to build for an autonomous robot. Also, I feel like it has a couple more major flaws. I mean, number one, it looks so tall that it looks like it could fall over. It's like a crush hazard, man. Right, Ziggy, it is. And number two, when stationed at the rear of your vehicle, if something goes wrong. How are you going to leave your parking spot? Exactly. It's supposed to come in 2023 to San Francisco and Brooklyn. We'll have to wait and see, man. All right, it's time for Going Green, sponsored by EcoWare and a happy belated Father's Day. And hey, fathers out there, if that tie or the socks you got for Father's Day weren't exactly what you were hoping for, head on over to EcoWare and check out the dozens and dozens of cool Tesla, SpaceX, boring company designs on so many products from T-shirts to hats and mugs and phone cases to pet apparel. And we carbon offset your entire purchase from the production, shipping and life cycle. And we plant multiple trees for every order. And then we help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation, making your purchase carbon negative. Start positive conversations today with carbon negative products at EcoWare. All right. So another way to do charging, Ziggy, is on the outskirts of Stockholm, Sweden, is a town called Hagestaden. And in this town, they are building a new 18,000 square meter parking garage called Nora Station Sparken. And in this parking garage, you know, do you remember that game around the campfire where it starts off in the dark, 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 dark woods? woods there, was dark, there was a dark, dark house. house. Uh, no, I'm not following you at all. <laughs> well, well, in, in the, the EV friendly, friendly town, town of Hagestad, there, there, there was an EV friendly, friendly parking, parking garage. And in and the EV friendly, friendly parking garage. Wait, why is it f- EV friendly? Oh, right. I almost forgot the most important part of the story. Every single parking space in this parking garage of more than 1,000 spaces will have an EV charging point. Once completed, this will be one of the largest EV installations in any parking facility in all of Europe. In between every two spaces will be two Charge ChargeStorm connected EV chargers mounted back to back like this. Cecilia Rutledge, the global director of energy and facilities for CTEC, said an investment of this size really shows that Stockholm is leading Europe's capitals in supporting the switch to fossil free transport. By 2026, Stockholm Parking has a goal of offering EV charging in all of its garages and is targeting 100,000 new charging stations by 2030. That would be one charge point for every 16 people living in the county. They're getting it right. This is kind of the level that you're going to have to bring charging to places. And it shows for people out there like, well, it's not possible. It is possible. Exactly. It's just some wire. (laughs) But man, you could just have an autonomous robot. It's full of batteries and it drives around. It blocks your car and it plugs it in. And I hope that it never stops working. All right. It's time for Sunspots. All right, so Fort Bragg is the largest army military installation in the U.S. with 49,000 personnel and 34,000 civilians. Guess how they'll be powering some of the base now. Uh, A new push-up machine that uh, runs off of, no, it's a giant treadmill. Um, I don't know what. I like the push-up machine. Get down and give me 20. We need to power the base now. (laughs) Uh, No, it'll be a floating solar farm and battery storage on Big Muddy Lake next to the base. That's the name of the lake? Yeah, Big Money Lake. Oh, and so the recruits don't have to swim across Big Money Lake anymore? Hey,
3: get down, give me 20, and then go swim across Big Money Lake. Uh,
1: Sarge, we can't. There's a bunch of solar panels. Well, then you're just going to have to swim under them, don't you? Man, I f***ing hate solar. The 1.1 megawatt floating solar farm includes 2 megawatts and 2 megawatt hours of battery storage. The U.S. Army has a goal of slashing its emissions 50% by 2030 and achieving net zero by 2050. Now is this because the Army loves our planet?
3: Absolutely
1: not, Private! The only parts of this planet the Army loves is the United States of America Park! There's only 50 parts that the Army loves! The United States Parks! Yeah, the army says climate change threatens America's security and is altering the geostrategic landscape as we know it. So the next time someone corners you and says that solar is for libtards, ask them if they respect their armed service members and refer them to the army climate strategy. Yeah, the army obviously gets it. They understand that getting free energy for the sun is the way to go. And of course, if there was some kind of military mobilization and we lost, you know, uh, power generation stations around the the country. Uh, it would be good to have the fort having some backup power from the sun. Unless the North Koreans grab the sun. That's their new plan. Hey, and if you'd like to have your own solar energy generation station on your roof, Call our friends at Energy Pal, because I know you have a lot of questions. There's a lot of things changing in the industry, a lot of tax changes and so forth, and you can't keep up with all of them. Well, Energy Pal does keep up with them. So contact them. It's free. Let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. We'll put the link down below. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And remember, we need your stories. So send those to us two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape with good audio, no music, and send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week? Jacob from Long Island EVs is going to be showing us a new solar carport at his college in New York.
4: Hi, Zach and Jesse. My name is Jacob and I am here in Farmingdale, New York at Farmingdale State College looking at the solar carport that was installed for students here. I want to tell you all about it. This uses a system by Selectra Renewables and Solar Liberty, there are 384 Uh, 250 odd watts of panels up there, 384 panels, and last I checked this produces a total of 94 kilowatts of solar energy, which helps offset the power consumption of all these chargers here. So it's a really great benefit for students and for the community in general. All right, I'm going to go ahead and charge my car now since I'm, uh, I just got here for class. So they give you these little cards here to activate the stations. Authorizing. All right, turns orange. And there we go. Thanks
1: for checking it out. And now you know. Wow. 94 kilowatts of solar that has already saved over (laughs) $90,000. Thank you, Jacob, for showing us that. All right. It's time for our Patreon bonus stories. We got a lot of stories this week, and we got a lot of Investor Club bonus stories this week. So head on over to Patreon, support us, and we'll help support you, hopefully with some good information you're not going to find anywhere else. Hey, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time to shout out to our patrons who support us for $5 or more a month. And then we're going to put these people in our end credits. Who do we got this week, Jess? Robert Arns, Terry Endow, Andrew Lawrence, Snubs, Joseph Thompson, Gerald Cassells, No Torres, JJ Concall, Sharon and Jerry Wendt, Liam Chochi, David Park, Lapelptic, and Alistar Page. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And Trevor Page said, Tesla needs to bring this back for everyone. FSD is too expensive for what you get. Sell FSD as a second tier above EAP, which is enhanced autopilot, and still include basic autopilot with every car. And Elon said, okay. Well, that's great. Yeah, I guess they're going to do it now. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it already. And I think uh, like New Zealand and a couple other places, mm. but they're not doing it in the U.S. and Northern America yet. So enhanced autopilot includes navigate on autopilot. Yep. Uh, summon, summon. Smart summon. Smart summon. Everything but stop signs and stoplights, basically. And the future city streets, uh, you know, right. the actual full self-driving stuff. Black Model 3 tweeted out, Model S Plaid just set another quarter mile record. This time, it did it in 8.8 seconds for the quarter mile and 161.3 miles an hour. (laughs) Wow. And Elon said, nice. Clean Technica tweeted out that California reached 100% renewable electricity. Well, hang on. It was 99.9% on May 2nd. So don't get so excited. (laughs) Elon said, good progress. Ray for Tesla tweeted out this video. Apparently, one car is better than the other. Uh, don't try that at home <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> or in the flood. And Elon gave the thumbs up. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said any dates on the orbital launch for the starship? Trying to make it out with the family if possible. Elon said there will probably be several launch countdowns before we pass all the abort triggers. Hopefully first countdown is next month. Nice. Yeah. So we're looking at July. Elon tweeted out, congrats to the SpaceX Falcon team for executing three flawless launches in two days. The super weird thing is that Falcon 9 is still the only orbital booster to land or refly after all these years. The only thing keeping the other orbital rocket programs alive is government protection or they'd be deader than a doornail and everyone knows it. But oh well, come see, come saw. And uh, by the way, this footage you're seeing of the landing is one of the first times that they use Starlink to broadcast the footage. That's why it's so clear. Aliyah said, I find it both obvious and incredible that a neural network is a digital brain that lives inside a computer and that actually kind of works. Elon says, maybe we're in a computer. <laughs> maybe we what did are. you think about that one. All right, it's time for our Patreon poll. And we asked, do you think it's a good idea for Tesla to open their supercharger network to all EVs? And most people said, yes. But yeah, comment down below what you think or head on over to Patreon and join in with the poll. All right, it's time for community mail time. <coughs> And remember, send your stories, photos, and videos to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. And uh, let's see. So, Gary said, I spotted this custom Tesla Meowdle 3 in the wild. Not sure what effects the ears have on its range. Deb sent us these lucid air pictures recently spotted in San Diego, California. Yeah, and I've actually heard uh, one was in Boston the other day. Hmm. Jerry Lynn said, my boyfriend and I spotted a previously unknown to us electric car at a popular local festival in Kimswick, Missouri. After some digging, we found it to be a Polestar. During the trip, we were also delighted to find a silver Rivian R1T on Highway 44 in Missouri. Now, I can't tell you how many people are asking us, what's this new car I'm seeing? I think it's the Polestar too. Yeah. Kevin sent us this video of Tesla employees from the Buffalo factory participating in the Buffalo Pride Parade on June 5th. George said, saw this charging at the Encore Casino in Boston. And that's a Jeep. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's a hybrid. Jennifer in North Houston said, I spotted this vehicle at church today. This is the first non-Tesla I've spotted in the parking lot. I also had never seen this car in person. And that, of course, is the Ionic 5, which might be another one of those new electric cars you're seeing. Amher sent us this picture of an R1T he spotted in Oregon. And Chris said, hey, Zach, just had a Tesla Powerwall 2 installed and thinking to myself that now I have one. Murphy's Law says I won't need the backup function for a year. The Powerwall 2 was in for less than 24 hours and we had a power failure for nearly three hours with my wife working from home. Powerwall 2 managed to back up one medium-sized heat pump for the main living area and everything else in the house, including Starlink for work. Although it was only a few hours, it was all solar storage and the convenience made life so much easier. Turned out it was trees falling on power lines. Keep up the great work. Love the videos of the Rivian with Jesse. Best regards to the whole team, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I'm so glad that it uh, came in handy for you. I mean, good I remember years ago, we got like a backup generator after a after a big storm or something and we never needed to use it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think ever because uh, it was just a few years later that we got the power walls right in murphy's law yeah of course steve sent us this photo of a rivian r1t he said not sure how much work but nice to see an electrician with an electric truck yeah so it does look like it's a work truck but maybe it's just like the boss's work truck i don't know it doesn't look like it's the tool truck you know why not it just doesn't that's the whole point it's got all that interior storage okay. think about it all right and Dan sent us these pictures of an EV Royal mail van in the UK on his street. That does look like a Nissan NV200, doesn't yeah. it? All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. And let's start off with this beautiful supercharger. Remember, if you come across a supercharger in a beautiful location, send us pictures at hello at you know Carl sent us a photo of the Roald supercharger, which is situated in the mountains on the west coast of South Norway. Thank you, Carl. And let's see some other supercharger reviews.
2: Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Scott reporting in from the version 2 superchargers in Baileyville, Maine. These are the easternmost superchargers in the continental US, just a couple miles from the Canadian border. There are eight version 2 superchargers, seldom busy. The top of the hill here is the Birving Big Stop Convenience store, very busy location at the intersection of Main Route 9 and US Route 1 in Baileyville near Callis. Food and restrooms inside.
3: I'm going to give this one a eight out of ten. Now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. I'm Mike on a trip from Philadelphia to the Berkshires of Western Mass. This is my normal charging point. It's on the Taconic Parkway, exit 58, halfway between New York City and Albany, New York. There are eight Tesla superchargers here. They're all 150 kilowatt chargers. And it sits in the back of a Stortz shop. Stortz shop is a convenience store with restrooms. It's open from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, You can get sandwiches, some hot foods in there, and they're really known for their uh, local sourced dairy products, especially ice cream in half gallons. So, enjoy the Supercharger. Hey there, it's Zach and Jesse, and now you know fans, Selma Teacher 7 here, and I'm doing a quick review of the Tesla Supercharger station right here in Traver, off of Highway 99. It's really nice because it's so close to the highway, as you're doing your long trips, you just get off and there are 16 stalls as you can see here. And you're at the 250 kilowatt. There are very great amenities uh, next door, such as a restaurant, and there's even uh, a little place for you to, to see some lambs and goats. some of the great amenities we got the biggest cheese we have a restaurant gift shop and there's even clean restrooms over there as well so many great amenities here uh, that you can do while you're building up all right so I give this a nine out of ten Uh, because of the great location here, right off the Highway 99 between Visalia and Fresno, and because it has great restaurants there, really good eating, and clean restrooms. Alrighty, thank you all very much, bye-bye.
2: Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Brad coming at you from Roslyn Heights, New York Supercharger. This is Long Island, New York, and you are looking at the eight stall 250 kilowatt Supercharger a uh, very popular area. It said it was full on our drive over here, but some spots opened up uh, on our way over. It seems that people are being very respectful uh, of other people waiting and just topping up before they go home or out to the Hamptons for the weekend. And looking around here, really, really nice, well-lit parking lot, very clean. You can see we have a Barry's Fitness right behind us there. So if you wanna go and get a five, 10-minute workout in while you're charging, you can go for it. And there's a chop salad shop. So if you want something healthy after your quick five to ten minute workout, you can get that salad. There's an ore washers, which will be opening up. Really great, really great delicatessen and some other fine eateries and lots of uh, little places that you can stop by and across the street while you're uh, topping up your car. We currently got the Model X uh, tapped into the grid right here doing a quick top off and then we're going to be out for the rest of the evening. So just wanted to share once again the Roslyn Heights eight stall, 250 kilowatt charge in long island new york and this is bold i know this is bold guys but i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna give this a 10 out of 10 i know i know but look at this parking lot look at the amenities and uh nothing nothing bad to say about this take care remember you can put those
1: up on our website at nowyouknowchannel.com we've got a whole map there it's easy to upload them and it's easy to go see all the reviews so you can just kind of click around and see what's out there what do we got for new superchargers this week jess we got the three stall in Gadide, Sweden. We got the sixth stall in Chaiyi, Budai, Taiwan. We got the sixth stall in Gwangju at Cheomdan in South Korea. We got the sixth stall in Seoul in Time Stream, South Korea. The twelve stall in Orlando at Millennia Plaza Way, Florida. We got the eighth stall in Iowa City, Iowa. The twelve stall in Huntsville, Alabama. The eighth stall in Ontario, California. The twelve stall in Karzamaki, Finland the 8th stall in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, the 4th stall in Levi, Finland, the 12th stall in London at North Greenwich, UK, the 8th stall in Shelbyville, Indiana, the 8th stall in Prince Alberta, Saskatchewan, Canada, the twenty stall in Vista, California, the 6th stall in New Taipei at Huawei Art, Culture and Leisure Park in Taiwan, the 6th stall in Suyu in South Korea, the 6th stall in Seoul at the CCMM building in South Korea, the 6th stall in Gyeonggi at Gwangju in South Korea, and the 16 stall in Blognac France Wow, that wow. was a lot of superchargers this week. That really was. All right, time for the Patreon comment of the week. And D said, regarding V2V, v, which we talked about last week. Vehicle to vehicle. Yep. He said, first of all, 240 volts isn't a valid quick charging solution. You need hours to get sufficient mileage to drive to another charging option. More importantly, you need great energy power management to have long-term useful V2V. V. Also, Teslas will have robo-taxi future, which is so much more valuable than V2V. V, so why would you use several high amperage recharge cycles for charging another car when you suggest get the car towed. Mm. Cybertrucks should have sufficient batteries to support V2V, but I would rather use it for contractor work than charge a car just because of the high amperage. And that's a really good point, D, about 220 not being a really good quick charging solution. I don't think the future of Cybertrucks or Ford F-150 Lightnings is driving around charging up dead EVs, but I do kind of disagree with your point about why would you use it instead of getting a car towed. I think that being able to pump a few miles of juice into a, an EV that is you know, dead so that it can get to a charger is way more convenient than getting a tow truck involved, not to mention cheaper. I think that having the ability to plug in to an EV is a great feature for tools like camping, Starlink, laptops and for giving a few miles to another EV that needs it. I think all those uses are valuable. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be like this big thing where you drive around charging up dead EVs. Because though. let's face it, you don't see dead EVs. No, like, that's uh, like we've... a that's like a myth. So, I mean, regardless of who's right about whether you should tow it or whether you should uh, be charging it up, it's something that happens so infrequently that right. it's really not worth talking about. I do think that you're exactly right. Using it for tools is going to be the main use of these sorts of trucks. Yep. I think that, you know, having a table saws and miter saws and uh all sorts of i mean there's so many different types of power tools having that on the job instead of a loud noisy generator is going to be a huge thing that nobody is thinking about right now Uh, another thing uh i was just thinking about i was at a farmer's market the other day big loud generators there was like three or four of them mm, throughout the whole thing I Hate that to power just you know like an like an ice shaver it's like that yep. could totally be run off of you know an ev you run an extension cord to it and then it's, it's quiet a perfect farmer's market vehicle you don't have uh, emissions in the middle of crowds of people but i do want to say we're going to show you this week how kyle over on out of spec uh charged up five evs with one ev So we'll show you that over on Patreon bonus stories. Anyway, thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the show. The people you're seeing here on the end credits—they are super important to this channel, and I'd love you to become one of them. Head on over to patreoncom slash know if you'd like to. You can support us there and get your name on the end credits and show the world that you support independent news because that's what Jesse and I've been doing for over 300 weeks. You'll also get the Patreon bonus stories. You'll also get uh, access to our polls. You'll also get access to our Discord. You'll also get access to our out of context. So All the little funny stuff that we do, we cut those into uh, little shows that you can watch, um, little little video clips, uh, along with getting your shout out in your name at the end of the show. Uh, We try and create as much value as possible. We have other perks as well, namely our investor club where we have a dedicated Slack channel where we're talking about investments with a group of people who actually know about the EV future and you're not talking to a bunch of tech bros who want to sell you on cryptocurrency. Some people want to talk about cryptocurrency, but they're a little bit more intelligent than the... uh, the crazy people you're going to meet online. And the cool part is that everyone totally understands the transition to EVs as being an investment opportunity. That's a really good point. Anyway, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week. Now Now you know.